Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the last episode of Ask Shane Anything for 2023. New Year's Eve is right around the corner. I just want to say, before we get there, I hope you had a great Christmas, and I do hope you have an awesome New Year's, but please be safe. Do not drink and drive. Take a cab, take an Uber, carpool, do whatever you want to make sure that you do not get behind the wheel after you've been drinking. I personally have lost two very close friends, two drunk drivers. It's very near and dear to my heart. Please don't do it. Spend the extra 10 bucks, spend the extra 20 bucks to let somebody else drive, designate a, a designated driver, play it safe, make sure we all have an awesome new year 2024 together all right our first question for the last episode of ashing anything of 2023 comes from news further what makes a good heads up display i favor an uncluttered interface myself but i'm curious what you think what makes the best head up display is the head up display where you can customize everything literally everything i should be able to pick and choose exactly what elements of the heads-up display I want on the screen at a time. And as for those of you wondering, what is the heads-up display? That's all the little gauges and meters and all the little stuff that appears on the screen in addition to what you're actually playing. I want it to be as customizable as possible. I should be able to pick, I just want one thing on the screen. If I just want the map there, cool. If I want the map plus all my RPG levels, cool. Like I should be able to fill up that whole thing with crap if I want to, or I should be able to use it without anything. And I think if I had to pick one, it would be nothing. <laughs> um, generally, once I've played games for five or 10 hours and I kind of understand the, the way the combat works and the way the leveling's working and all that kind of stuff, a lot of times I turn off the HUD and I just play it with a clean screen like I'm just there in that world. So to me, I think most people would agree with me on this one and you probably do too. I think just the ability to customize the HUD as much as possible is really the key. And at this point, there's really no reason why every single game does not include it. Um, and it's interesting too, like heads up display, I'm actually working on like some new stuff for Game Face right now, some new like show graphics for the show for 2024. And it's the same kind of considerations you have there. It's like, how do we build uh, mortise, a screen for you guys to watch Game Face that gives you all the information you need, but also make sure that you can see the stuff that you really want to see. Same deal. You're doing the same thing when you're working on a HUD for a video game. So I have a little bit of experience doing that, designing web pages and, and graphics and mortises for shows and things like that. So um, it's kind of the same ideal. Uh, so I, it's something I think about a lot. I don't think a lot of people think about heads-up displays that much, but they should because they are kind of a barrier between you and whatever video game that you're playing. <laughs> All right, our next question comes from Robolisk. I'm a big fan of PC 4X turn-based strategy game franchises like Total War, Civilization, and Victoria. I noticed you don't usually cover these games on your shows. Is it simply because you don't have enough time or is there another reason? Do you have any experience playing any of these games? First of all, Robolisk, we do cover them. We tend to only cover the really big ones. If you go back and look at like the last three or four big 4X strategy game releases, we, we covered it on Game Face. And that's because I love 4X strategy games. Um, I don't know how you don't know this. I love them. They, it actually, like you may not realize this, it is one of my favorite genres to play. Um, and the reason I don't talk about it that much is because it's one of those things that like people who really love it, really love it. 
And the people who don't love it don't want to hear about it. <laughs> like, they know what it is. They know the ins and outs of the genre or whatever. They've played maybe one or two. They realize it's not for them. And if it's not for them, they don't want to hear about it. For some reason, 4X strategy games are unique in that way. Like, there may be genres that I'm not all that interested in. But, you know, sometimes I check out content around them because I'm hoping maybe this is the one game that changes that genre in a way that will make it more palatable to me. So... I'm always tracking all genres, all games, but most people aren't that way. And so, truth be told, 4X Strategy, not that popular on Sifted as far as traffic is concerned. And not that popular with a lot of our users, honestly, because you said it in your question. I'm a PC gamer. And I would disagree, because 4X Strategy games are a console thing now. And it's not like... they're You take turns, so it's not like controls matter that much. I will admit... Playing those games with a mouse and keyboard makes a little more sense. It's a little more user-friendly, but I'd rather sit on the couch with a controller, man, and play turn-based on the couch. Um, but to your point, I think a lot of people associate those games with the PC, um, even though there's really no barrier to playing them with a controller on a console either. And I would argue in the last decade, we've seen a lot more of those games make the jump over to console. So it's not really a PC thing anymore, but your question does kind of reveal sort of the mythos behind that genre and that most people just assume it's like a PC thing. So I love 4X strategy games. I love Civilization. It is literally one of my favorite franchises. I've spent so much time playing 4X strategy games. And I think that might be one of the things that turns people off is because it's a big time commitment. And the other thing that may turn people off is if they play them, they realize they're really hard to put down because it's literally that old adage, just one more turn. Like you make your turn and then your mind already starts worrying. It's like, oh, they're going to do this. And it's so hard to stop. Because again, you just make your turn, sit back, you watch what they do, and it's your turn again. Like, the cadence of the games makes it very hard to stop. Again, if you can't tell, I love 4X strategy games. And I do understand it's a little weird that a show that I host, maybe... I mean, you're a fan of the genre, and you feel like we don't cover them that often. So I can, I can understand why that's a little weird to you, hearing that I'm a fan. Like, well, why wouldn't you cover them enough that I wouldn't feel like there aren't enough of them in Game Face? I understand that, but the truth of the matter is unfortunately we're kind of a rare breed we, we really love them and a lot of people simply just don't care all right our last question for 2023 and ask shane anything comes from commander fett how do you feel games as a service have changed the industry do you think if companies didn't have to focus so much on making the most money possible month after month we would see more innovation in games this is a tough one to answer because there's I could talk about this for like 30 minutes, but I can't. I can't. I, I need to keep this quick because <laughs> I'm trying to get all these episodes cut before I leave for the holidays. So um, where do I even begin? I think the, f the first thing that has changed is player perception. This perception that we've had for decades where it's you watch all this stuff about a game. You decide whether you want to buy it or not. Then if you really like it, you decide to buy it. You buy it. You bring it home. You play it. You finish it, you talk about it with anybody you know that also played it or also loves video games, and then you put it away and you don't really think about it again until like the Game of the Year awards at the end of the year or whatever, you, or you're waxing nostalgic about the game years later. It used to be that the games just disappeared and were off our radar. So the perspective of the player has been a huge change that we expect more after we finish a game. And that was not the case even like 10 years ago. Now I would say, if you're a PC player, going way back and you've been playing PC games for a long time, it's always been a part of the equation. Expansion packs and all that. 
Um, so it is interesting to see the console players slowly assimilating into this PC environment. But the truth of the matter is most people that play games now, they expect a game to live on. At the very least, they expect there to be quality of life tweaks, at least like patches and updates after the game launches. And then in a lot of cases, they also expect there to be extra content after the game is over. So the first big change for games as a service is the perception from the player and the consumer that when I buy a game and I finish it, it's not over. That's not it. It just keeps living on. That was a huge hurdle for publishers to get over. Now, second, the perspective of the publisher, how games as a service change. Bigger bets. So your question here is getting to the core of the real issue. So I, you're smart, man. Like, you figured it out. Like, the real problem here is that the investment that publishers need to make in games as a service is just astronomical. And it's not just the upfront cost. It's after you've finished that base game, then you shift gears and you turn into this factory, this content factory, this is, you're just, you're a wheel that's churning, just churning out the content, making sure that it's always updated, there's always something new coming, you're always promoting the thing that's coming new to keep people hooked in so they don't quit. It's changed everything about how publishers operate. Now, you place bigger bets, you're going to be a little more conservative with those bets. That's why almost every game as a service that you see is a third-person shooter. It is the safest bet of them all. And that is why most games as a service are in that genre. Because, let's be honest, most of us at least kind of enjoy playing third-person shooters. It couldn't, most of them can't be first-person either, because that does cut off a lot of people. Like, people like Matt don't like playing in first-person. They like to see the character. It helps them place their mind in that world. So, that's why you're getting the third-person shooter over and over with a different twist. It's sci-fi, it's the Old West, it's a horror, whatever. Almost all of them are third-person shooters because they're very safe. And so to your point, you are right. What is happening is you have these publishers investing so much money in these games as a service that they just can't take any risks. And so you end up with these crazy safe projects. Like, I'm thinking about all the games as a service right now because of your question that are coming out, like, in 2024. And, like, I can't really put my finger on a single one that seems unique. Even all the ones that PlayStation announced, like Marathon and all that, they all look the same. They're like a sci-fi third-person shooter where you go out in the field with three other people and you shoot aliens and then you finish the mission and all your meters go up and you're like, Yahoo, now I have a new hat to wear. Like, it's the same stuff. So it's a double-edged sword. Like, they have the opportunity to make a lot of money. They also have the opportunity to lose a lot of money. But ultimately, they have the opportunity to also lose audience over the long haul. Like, these November sales numbers make me very uneasy um, Pack will talk about those eventually on an episode of Pactor Factor, so I don't want to ruin what he says about it. But it makes me very nervous to see hardware sales down 24% year over year when now the consoles are in supply and you can walk into a store and get them. The sales should have gone up. You also have discounts. So I'm nervous about that. And I do wonder if it's partly the fault of games as a service. People are like, well, if I don't find this game that I really like that I want to play for the next five years, then I'm just out of luck. There's nothing for me to play. So... I can understand that perspective. We'll see, um, ultimately, as the publishers start pulling back from the games as a service, if the numbers start going up again, we'll see. Um, but the bottom line is you're right. Like, games as a service are stymieing creativity because they're bigger bets, and the publishers are scared of losing their ass. All right, that's it for Ask Chain Anything for 2023. It's been a great year doing the show with you guys. You guys managed to just knock it out of the park with questions week after week. It's really amazing. Um, 
But we will be going coming back in 2024 with the show, so don't worry about that. Um, also, New Year's Eve is coming up. As I said in the open, make sure you have a designated driver. Take an Uber, take a cab. Um, we got to see you guys in 2024, and I know you'll see me because I will be doing the same. So thanks again for everything this year. You guys have been absolutely amazing. Your support really, really, like, hits me right in the heart. Like, it's... I can't even put it into words how it makes me feel that you guys support me the way you do. So... Have a safe New Year's. We'll see you in 2024. Take care.